The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the first cut. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your mega preview pod for the Century Tournament of Champions storylines and bets, which you're certainly going to want to stay tuned for that new format for bets in 2020. And joining me to break it all down, Kyle Porter is here. KP, what's up? I think I might just stand for all of 2021 after I lost my, I stood for the podcast when I lost to Greg and, uh, I was so wired after that trivia contest, which is like the nerdy. I, I came in and told my wife, she was like, you've got problems. This is a problem. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't and, make her uh, watch it, did you? You didn't make, you didn't like run it back and make well, her watch it. You, sometimes I'll do the thing where, because we, uh, the kids, we usually watch like a dude perfect video at night. And I'll, and it'll, the, the, this will come across my feed. And she's like, you're watching yourself again, aren't you? I'm like, listen, <laughs> I'm studying. I'm trying to figure out what was good. Yeah. Grinding, yeah. So grinding film. She's not a fan. She's not a fan. Greg Ducharme, our trivia champion, is here. Greg, what's up, my dude? Well, this uh, little title has lasted a little longer than I thought. So, Kyle, thank you for bringing it <laughs> up. Because uh, I'm fine with it. We can go with that all year until uh, until until the next edition on New Year's Eve 2021. Um, but I will say to the – I was talking to my wife about it. I was talking to my wife about that trivia for – uh, up until yesterday, I think. So <laughs> we've been having a lot of discussions about it. It's been fun. Greg Victory lapped it on Monday's pod. If anybody listens there, we were also talking about it. So, uh, And Jonathan Coachman, the coach, is here. Your very first mega preview pod on a Tuesday. We're happy to have you, Coach. Well, I, I need to have a disclaimer for Greg and Kyle. I used to talk to my wife about all the shows that I did. I'm now divorced. So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> I would tell you not to do it. But I'm excited to be here. And I know that I'm starting a little bit late with some of the contests. But rest assured, the guys need the head start because I'm going to catch them by February or March. But it's okay. Let's go. We're going to get you up to speed on all the picks and the one and done stuff. But first, we're going to talk about storylines. And my storyline I'm trying to decide if it's a real storyline or not. And it's John Rahm's equipment change. Uh, notoriously leaving Taylor made in the offseason, heading to Callaway, Kyle. And I know, like, I, I know he's had time to be dialed in. I, I know that these guys don't just show up and grab new clubs on the first tee. I think there's a little bit of something to it when you put your new sticks in play in a, in a tournament competition. But, like, can this simultaneously be a story and a non-story? Yeah, I I don't know. I, I think that um, I mean, who who are the big names that have done it in the five or six years? Uh, I guess. Yeah, so Rose, Rose Garcia, uh, Rory, mm-hmm. Francesco Molinari, thirteen or fourteen. <laughs> um, 
so I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes we make a bigger deal out of it than players do. And but then like because we're asking about it, it gets in their heads as well. It's a weird thing that it you're right. It, I think I think a good way to describe it is a, a story and a non-story. And look, I mean, if Rom goes out and finishes top five, hopefully we never talk about it again. But if he shoots a 77 one day and it's, you know, maybe a little windy or whatever, then all of a sudden it's like, uh, you know, you know, it's a headline on golfchannel.com. So I, I don't know. It, it, it remains to be seen. So Kyle, I, I gotta just, I, I want to hit on this real quick. Cause Kyle brought something up where I don't believe that this week determines whether or not this is a story. I say that for a few reasons. Two guys we mentioned before, Francesco Molinari and Justin Rose, they switched equipment when they were at the peak or near peak of their careers. Rose and was the number one player in the world, by the way. Number one player in the world. He switched. One of, it may have been his first event back. If it wasn't, it was a second event back. And he wins the Farmers. And and every I was big at that time on this is a huge mistake for Justin Rose. He shouldn't be doing this. He wins the first event and it throws egg in my face. But we all know what happened since. And it's gone sideways. And Francesco Molinari won his first event with new equipment at the API uh, a couple of years ago. He was coming off of the season of his uh, of his career. No question about it. So I think it takes a little bit of time. But the thing with an equipment change is it's just it's the one shot that you don't expect. The one shot you don't explain or you can't explain as a player that throws you off and all of a sudden there's doubt. And now you start to wonder as a player. And when you start to wonder as a player, that's when it becomes a, a story for us to talk about. The good look, news look, for No, go ahead, the, Kyle. Go ahead. The good news for Rom, he already has about one of those shots per round. So <laughs> it usually comes on 15. <laughs> but but don't you guys all think that that the reason it's a big story is because anytime a top five player does this especially when they're coming off playing really well. It's, I, I can almost understand it if a top-five player is having a bad year or a bad 18 months, but that's not John Rahm. And right. also you say, okay, it's a big payday for that. Well, John Rahm's already making a ton of money at TaylorMade and wherever else he's going to go. I, I go back to when Brooks Kepka was offered big money a couple of years ago. Remember, he's playing like three wedges from this company and three wedges from that company, and he's like, why would I change this right now when I'm winning all these majors and all these tournaments. It's, that should be the mindset if you're a top flight player when you do this. Jonathan, you're right on. Because there, there's a general rule uh, that I have with my players. Uh, and it's it, this is at every level to me. You don't switch equipment when you're playing very, very well. And you don't switch equipment when you're playing very, very poorly. If you got something in your swing that's completely messed up and you're lost, adding in equipment change isn't a good idea. But at the same time, if you're hot and you're the number two player in the world or the number one player in the world, it's probably not a good idea to make a change at that point either. And to the finance part of this, look at what happened to Justin Rose. He won the FedEx Cup. Okay, that, That's a $10 million bonus. So you can add that to all of his past career earnings that he earned with his company. And the company that you're playing with now, unless you're a free agent like a Francesco Molinari or Brooks Kepka or somebody like that who, who doesn't have an equipment deal, you're getting paid on on that original deal. So what's the 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 increase is just the difference. And I have a hard time uh, I, I have a hard time believing that that the payment increase is going to be worth what you can make if you're playing at the level John Rahm is playing, where you're contending yeah. for a FedEx Cup. So I, I don't think there's a huge financial gain. But it, it's it's arrogance. It's it's the confidence that I can go out and I can beat you with old Tom Morris's sticks, right? Yeah. 
And yeah. like, if you, if you're confident enough to get to top ten in the world, you're confident enough to say, yeah, I'll switch from Taylor May to Callaway. That's not going to affect me. And maybe it won't, but maybe maybe it will. I don't know. And Confidence maybe we've already given, but maybe we, maybe we've already given this too much time. Maybe it's maybe no, Brom no. wins this week. No, mm-hmm. we haven't. Because guess what? The other thing we're not th- thinking about. Who's the one guy that made this happen? Tiger, Tiger. Rory. No, Phil Mickelson. He oh. made this happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So so clearly, John listened to Phil, who's been a Callaway guy forever, and he says, "Come be the guy. You're going to be the next guy. Once I get done, you're going to be it." You know, that's the conversation that was had. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we'll see. Obviously, this is a long-term story. I'm more interested that he's now wearing Travis Matthew. He's going to look a little bit different out on the course as well. Uh, KP, let's go to your storyline for the week. Kapalua, uh, is it safe to say, I don't know how to say this, is one of the most unique courses that we get on the PGA Tour? Yeah, it's definitely, it doesn't feel, it feels more like a European tour track than a, than a PGA tour course. The European tour goes to such unique places and just, you know, kind of weird, different places. And, and Kapalua is, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's a facsimile of, of Augusta in a lot of ways. You know, the, the thing that you'll hear people talk about this week is just the uneven lies and you got to be athletic to hit the ball there. Spieth has talked about, that's why he loves that place. He hadn't been in a while, but uh, that's why, (laughs) that's why, that's why he loves it because he has to let his body and his athleticism take over when you you've got those uneven lies like at Augusta national. So I think that part of it's fascinating. It's long. uh, It's super wide. And you know, I think my big story, or not my big, one of my stories for storylines for this week coming in is, so we've been talking about distance a ton because of Bryson, right? And and all the guys at the top. And I think when we think about distance, you know, you've got guys like Keith Mitchell on the No Ain't Up podcast said, hey, make it longer. I want it to be as long as, as humanly possible because that gives me even more of an advantage over a Zach Johnson or a Jim Furyk or, or whoever. Um but making it long and wide seems like it would help those guys that are really long. But you go back to Wingfoot, it was long and really narrow. And that helped Bryson. That helped Matthew Wolf. I, I almost think, and you look at the top guy, the guys that have contended. I mean, Steve Stricker's won this event. Um, Martin Laird has had a lot of success. I mean, guy, Spieth has won here. Guys that are not that long have had a lot of success at Kapalua, and I think it's because it is so wide. It's just you bring everybody into play, and 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 it's it's a lot easier. The, the the advantage that the long guys have, I think, is a lot greater when there's a ton of rough and it's really narrow than when it's super wide like this. So I, I think I don't know. I'm interested to see the way that that is kind of framed throughout the rest of the week. I think Bryson actually said wing's foot was too narrow uh, because the the accurate hitters were still missing fairways and there wasn't that edge there, right? That was one of the comments he made after. Yeah, and, and when everybody's missing fairways, the right. advantage you have when you're 30 yards up in the rough is it, it's exponential because all of a sudden you're hitting a nine iron. Brian Harmon's hitting a four iron and a four iron at wing foot out of the rough is not good. I mean, that's that's you're, you're not going to do anything with that, right? And so... 
I, I think that's sort of what I'm talking about when when it's super narrow. It almost gives more of an advantage to the DJs, the Brysons, the Matt Wolves than when it's when it's really wide like this. But Se- 7,600 yards, Coach. I'll tee up on this one. 7,600 yards at Kapalua. It's a par 73, and there's a lot of elevation change. There's going to be a lot of calculations in play this week. So I wonder if experience helps a bit for guys that have might, might have uh, knocked it around there a few times. Well, I think when you look at this, for especially for new new golf betters or new viewers that haven't watched this tournament a lot in the past, I think part of the reason that that Kyle makes so many good points is there's a there's a lot of uh, hidden yardage that we don't talk about when they play this tournament, right? So, I mean, Dustin Johnson nearly has a hole in one on a four hundred and some odd uh, part four, yeah. right? So, because because of the the hills and everything, a lot of these young or uh, smaller hitters, if they hit it in the right spots can get 80 or 100 yards roll. And I, yep. I think that's not – it's not a sexy storyline when you're a network getting ready for coverage so they don't talk about it. But it, it absolutely matters where your ball ends up, not where your ball lands. Greg, you and I actually talked a bit about this on Monday's DFS preview pod, which is the short hitters are not out of this if they hit the right side of the fairway because Coach is right. It'll roll 60, 70, 80 yards, get you down into a proper landing area. Uh, you can play from there, but – you know, it can be an uphill battle if you're short and not hitting those spots. <laughs> right. You got, you do have to, hit. The, and the other thing is the fairways are wide um, for a, a reason. And the fairways aren't just tilted because of, I mean, Kyle mentioned uneven lies, right? That means that they're tilted left to right and right to left. They're not just straight up and straight down. So as wide as they are, you got to get it to the, the proper half or quarter or, or section of the fairway. And you can get a tremendous amount of roll. The shot coach brought up uh, Dustin Johnson. I mean, that was a 433. I believe it was 433 that hole. And his ball carried about three, three between 320 and 330. If I remember correctly, it got over 100 yards of roll. And that's portion, uh, a portion of that is wind and a portion of that is slope. So as wind picks up and if the golf course is firm, you're absolutely right. Short guys, uh, short hitters are, are very much in play and the fairways become, um, something, the width becomes needed because the ball travels so far on the ground. And at that point you, you lose a little bit of control to some degree. One of Brando those criminal- called, Brando, Brando called the Dustin Johnson drive, the greatest shot in golf history. Okay, I was going to say the most criminal thing I've ever seen was that ball slamming on the brakes six inches before the cup. <laughs> it was like it was like the top three were were Hogan's one iron, Tiger chipping in on sixteen, and DJ driving a ball four hundred thirty yards at Kapalua in like the second round of it. Yeah, he had a six shot lead. It was on the twelfth hole. That tweet still exists. Go find it. Uh, it's true. Yeah, you're right. He did. So good. Uh, Coach, your storyline is centered around one Justin Thomas. And I think this is really interesting because we might be at the point with all of the oxygen that we spend on Bryson DeChambeau, all of the oxygen we spend on Dustin Johnson, that JT, he's certainly not forgotten, but like, does he enter 2021 with just a little bit of a chip on his shoulder trying to kind of assert himself back into everybody's brains? No, no, I don't think he has a, a little chip on his shoulder. I think he has a big chip <laughs> on his shoulder because this is a guy. He's a killer. There's not a bigger killer on the PGA Tour. You talk about anybody. I was just in Jupiter three weeks ago. Anybody will tell you in the games down there that they're playing or any other time. Look, he's talking trash with Charlie Woods, of, yep. for God's sake. This is a guy that hates to lose. He wants to step on your neck every single time. How many guys are shooting 15 under? on a Sunday with their dad in December. 
That's how much, how, how competitive he is. And I guarantee you, behind closed doors, as nice as he is, and as much as he says good things about other people, he is sick and tired of guys like us saying Dustin Johnson is dominant and it's everybody else. So I think that's a big-time storyline to see him come out on Thursday and set a tone right from the jump because he is tired. He wants to get back in the conversation. Coach, I'm going to fill you in on a little something that's been going on here at the First Cut Pod for the last six months or so, and Kyle's going to hate this. Uh, But KP said in the next decade, this decade that we're in right now, Justin Thomas would win 25 times, and he made a wine bet with Mark Immelman about it. KP, what's he at now? Two, three? How many does he have? Uh, hold, hold on. I'm doing the math right here. He, he's uh, not on the index card. Is so, it expensive wine, by the way? Expensive wine? It's getting more expensive well, every time we bring the, it by up. The, by the time it's 2030, the interest is going to be accumulated. So well, that's age, I mean, it's aging as we go. So point. I mean, this bottle yeah, is 10 years older. He's got two wins. He's got, um, I just looked it up 11. He's won 11 of his last 91. So, uh, that's basically. What is that? Two, four, six, eleven. That's percent. Uh, th- three a year for the last four years. So I, I don't feel terrible about it. I mean, he won five times in a year, which which helps. I, I think the thing that I always go back to with JD that Coach hit on is he's he's wired differently than he's wired more like Tiger than I think a lot of the younger guys, and that is something that he'll probably. Like you have to rein that in on a like on a personal level, like to be a normal human. And I think he's done that. But on the course, he's just he's kind of like psycho. And I mean that in a, a, a very complimentary way. Like he he's the guy that and, and Rom's a little bit like that too, I think. But he I think JT just wants to be great so bad that it 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 just it feels like he he's gonna he's not gonna be the guy that reaches 200 million dollars and he wins a couple majors and it's like well i guess that you know it's been fun like he 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 doesn't he doesn't care about what he did he only cares about what's in the future and i think that that's the thing that i always go back to with him that is the reason i made that bet which is eh, maybe not aging the best yeah you get the sense that with uh like his have you seen the the tom brady video where his coach at michigan tells a story all the all the championship rings you have and Brady asked him, you know, which one's your favorite? And he said, the next one. And that's kind of the feeling that you get with JT. Yeah. He loves me some me, certainly. Uh, (laughs) I forgot about that. That's the best ever, right? Like, I I love him so much. I hope he wins 35 times. The 2019 President's Cup was low-key the best tournament ever. It was awesome. I can't dispute it. It It was was phenomenal. It was, and part of it, you're up at like, you know, midnight or two in the, whatever. And it was just, it was a blast. And part of it was expectations, right? I I mean, it it was, it was very competitive throughout the entire thing, which not a lot of president's cups have been. And you got great moments from tiger, great moments from JT, the young guys on the international squad played well. Like it was, it was legit. Awesome. And, and Royal Melbourne was phenomenal. Yeah. Royal Melbourne was sweet. Uh, one more storyline. Mr. Ducharme, I believe it's yours. And it involves Patrick Reed. I've heard of him and his past success here. And I like your angle on this, which is kind of a Ryder Cup angle, which, uh, yeah, yeah, Ryder Cup year, baby. Let's go. This is this view for this week. This is the it's the first event of 2021. 
uh, as I like to say, the 2020-2021 season. <laughs> yeah, it's a mouthful. Uh, it, <laughs> it's, the, it's the first event in this portion. And Rick, just like your story, to me, both of these are long-term. I think I think the Patrick Reed situation is a little bit longer term than John Rahm's equipment change. But both of these are going to take some time. Um, but Patrick Reed right now is eighth in the Ryder Cup standings. But this year, with the entire situation that's going on, the Americans are going to have six players make the team and six captain selections. So he's mm. sitting at eight. I, I think he has an opportunity to really solidify his place in that top six. And a win this week would go a long way. And um, you get one and a half points at starting this week, you get one and a half points for every thousand dollars that you make. So a win goes a long way and nearly, nearly locks him in. Um, but if he doesn't succeed and and this week doesn't go his way and we weeks start getting past him and he's in that 8, 10, 12 spot, I, I think a huge storyline emerges where is, is Patrick Reed going to be a captain selection? And I, I think the Americans for a long time have kind of gone chalk with their captain's picks. And it's been a, well, you know, he deserves it instead of, kind of a Herb Brooks mentality. I'm not looking for the best players. I'm looking for the right ones. And I've always wondered if we were going to shift our mindset to, I need to build the perfect team here. And I wonder if Patrick Reed has a place in that. That's a really interesting concept. And and coach, one of the things that we've talked about a bit on this pod, and I want to get your thoughts on is the idea around Patrick Reed being this kind of low key, big game hunter, right? Like I'm trying to, I'm going to try to do this off the top of my head. Eight PGA tour wins. Two of them are playoff events. Two of them are WGCs. One is a tournament of champions and one is a masters. So six of your eight PGA tour victories are like legitimate events. Like this guy shows up when the best players in the world converge on the same course. If Patrick Reed is not added, if he's not in the top six and he's not added, there is not, maybe JT is the only other guy that I would put in the category of when they walk on the course, they want to beat you in the head. Mm. And to me, that's what you want in a President's Cup player. That's what you want in a Ryder Cup player. And the fact that these guys are letting their personal feelings get in the way over a guy that can go on any course because of his short game and compete and compete in the top 10. And the fact that he was so vocal about the fact that Jordan Spieth was not put with him the last time as much as he should have. They've got to get these personal feelings out of the way and stop being buddy-buddy and stop and get the right guys for the team. And you're not going to tell me on any level that Patrick Reed is not a guy that should be on every team for the next five years. You just can't convince me of that. I, I love this take. I disagree with it, but I, I love it. Um, Respectfully, thank you. I, I, no, I think, it's a, I think it's a great take, and I think that uh, – are we really talking about the Ryder Cup right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, yeah. we're not. President's Cup. Pre- President's Cup. <laughs> uh, yeah, we just talked about the President's Cup for like five <laughs> Now we're under Ryder Cup. We yeah. are. We really I, are. I just don't know. It. Part of me agrees with Coach because I, I feel like the U.S. just – they don't <laughs> – there's no galvanization. Everybody's just a lone wolf and they do their own deal and it doesn't ever mesh well. And it's like Europe is so galvanized for, you know, two, one week out of the year, every two years. Even I mean, it's not like they don't have big names and big egos. You, you've got Rory, you've got uh, Justin Rose, you've got Sergio. I mean, all these guys, but the, for some reason, somehow they just galvanize around one another for this common good. And the U S can't figure out how to do that. And Part of me feels like a pat, it's a Patrick Reed problem, but then the other part of me 
it sort of agrees with coach where it's like, just freaking figure it out and don't stop, you know, leaking things. And I don't know. It, it does seem like Reed is often the biggest offender in that stuff, though. Here's what I know about Patrick Reed for this week. Not in Maui on vacation. He is in Maui to win. He wants to hoist that little whale tail trophy, whatever that (laughs) thing is, uh, on Sunday evening. I've seen that thing in person. I've been there. My buddy had a wedding at Kapalua, and it looked right out, and they had the trophy. That's very nice. He he wants to get his his paws on that on on Sunday evening. Gentlemen, new segment. We got a new segment coming up. We have uh, introduced essentially our betting cards for the week. So I'm going to explain that. We're going to have expert picks. We're going to get into our one and done leads, but we're going to do it on the other side. And first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. Here we go. $100 each for us to spend at William Hill. We've each gone through the process of putting together a betting card. Uh, We can divvy that money up however we like, whether it's matchups, outrights, first round leaders, get a little freaky with it. And we're going to keep track of it throughout the year. So Greg, real quick, how was this difficult? How, how How did you enjoy this process? 
Uh, I did enjoy the process because one, it's a great idea because it really opens up the the card. It opens up your strategies. So now we can kind of see how everybody's going to attack uh, what we have off what William Hill offers to us. So so we have that opportunity in front of us. And I think as a concept, it it opens up a lot. I, like I think Coach will have some different strategies than Kyle and myself and Rick, of course. Um, fascinated to see what kind of strategies you bring to the table here um but i always like to pick on the uh you know pick on the weak cornerback in and off that's my strategy i like to take the weak the the easy ones and i like to just claw away at them so my first one and i went pretty heavy on this half of my half of my allotted uh units 50 units went to uh lonto griffin and it's lonto griffin to finish in the top 20 there's 42 players. He's got to come in the top half. And I put 50 on it at plus 150. So 50 to win 125. I, I think there's it's a great number. Um, I think Lonto Griffin is as steady, as consistent as it gets. And I think the course is a really good fit for him. What I you feel good about having half your money on Lonto Griffin? <laughs> That's exactly I, I, what I was just thinking. I think I've been yeah. guilty of that before, so I I can't speak too much on this, Greg. I'm I'm, I'm all in. No, you got Lonto, it. Lonto's a, he is better than he's in this strange place where the perception of Lonto Griffin and his real ability and his real performance there's a there's a little bit of a difference there. Yes, and he sits in the in the positive side of it. So in a DFS perspective, in a top twenty type of perspective, I love Lonto Griffin. Am I going to bet him to win? Not very often. Maybe, maybe never. But I love when I have this kind of wide range and I can get a number like plus 150. So I, I think Lonto Griffin top 20 finish is, as we used to say, my best bet of the week. Greg is uh, spending too much time with me with the Lonto Griffin takes. The rest of Greg's card is... Hideki Matsuyama, top 10 finish at plus 110. He put 20 on that. Joaquin Neiman, top 10 at plus 230. He put another 20 on that. Uh, also, he spent $110. So this isn't wow. Justin, wow. He's, he's got... You can't do right? math? You can't do he's math? Got, He's got Justin Thomas and Bryson oh, I think I did. A, I think I did an incorrect value. I think Joaquin Neiman was supposed to be 10 as well. Already out of the gate, he spends half his money and then tries to make it up on the back end by breaking the rules. Um, no, I have. I, I, no, this is. There's a couple of errors here. So I have on my uh, on my personal screenshot here. I have uh, fifty on Lonto. I have twenty on Hideki. I have ten, and then I have ten, ten, ten. So okay. that is a hundred. So I have ten on JT uh, or Bryson. That that's a cool one. I think JT yeah. or Bryson to win double chance plus three fifty. I put a little bit on that and, uh, and, and 10 on Bryson plus one twenty over Dustin Johnson. So I'm in the, I'm in the math. The math is right there. So, so now we've got, now we've got a hundred, obviously Greg, a uh, big believer in Lonto and, uh, Bryson this week, right? That seems to be yeah. the trend here. Yeah. I really like the distance. So I, I think that's going to be an ad, uh, an advantage for him. All right, let's pull up Coach's betting card, and I'll run through this real quick, Coach, and then you can give me your thoughts on it. We've got a Dustin Johnson top five at plus 138. That's 15 of your 100. Dustin Johnson Johnson, and Justin Thomas, a couple of big boys in a double chance, uh, either one of them to win at plus 260, 10 on that. Kevin Kisner in a matchup <laughs> against Sergio Garcia. Two I love that. I'll tell you what, you put those two guys together, they'd be one hell of a player. Uh, 20, <laughs> 25 to win 23. Cameron Smith over Mark Leishman. This also made my card, Coach. And then Patrick Reed over John Rom. So talk me through your thoughts here. 
so my thoughts is I want to do a combination of enough uh, really good bets that I can talk trash every week, uh, but also a lot of bets I really, really feel good about it that are going to come in. I also wanted some plus money, but also uh, William Hill. And it's just like, not because we're partners with them. I've never seen on any other book, and maybe because I haven't bet on a lot of different books, I've never seen the double chance before. And I loved having the chance to, to pick two winners in one bet. I don't mm-hmm. see that a lot. So I wanted to throw that in. I saw Greg did that as well. And then also when it comes to the matchups, Kevin Kisner's hot. I picked guys that are hot. Cameron Smith, uh, second uh, at, at the Masters. And I think Patrick Reed just loves this course. We've talked about it. I think he's hungry to prove a point. That's how I came uh, to my matchup uh, bets. And I'm always going to put the most units on my matchups. Yes, that's uh, certainly the safer way to do it. I love the double chance as well. You have to be a bit careful. I think you're good here, but I was looking at, they had, William Hill had Hideki and Patrick Reed double chance, and it was like seven and a half to one, and you would have been better off splitting the bet and betting them individually. You got to so look at it. You gotta do the math. It. Pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention. Um, I'll go to my card here, producer Jacob, because I actually have uh, one of the bets that uh, coach did as well, which is Cam Smith over Mark Leishman. Those two have taken divergent paths over the course of, of 2020, and especially since the restart. Cameron Smith trending uh, up and to the right. Mark Leishman trending down and to the right. Uh, and then I went with a couple of outrights. So I don't know. And KP, I'll be interested to see what you do here. I've got Hideki to win at 18 to one and Patrick Reed to win at 16 to one. I'm going for big chunks here, right? I'm, I'm, I, the matchups can, can keep you alive. can build you week over week. But, uh, if I come out of the gate, it'll, it'll help the old bankroll. What, why is, why is Ryan Palmer? Uh, is that right? 20 to one twenty six. So I did the, I did the net. I didn't know if, if, um, if producer Jacob wanted like the gross or the net. So technically like if you bet, tw- uh, 20 at, Two to one. In theory, you'd like in the in the app it says you get sixty back, which is not true. You'd win forty on that. 40. So I did okay. net. So I would have I would win twenty six on that. So why didn't Greg say Lonto was fifty to one, one twenty five or something? Uh, I think his numbers might have been. Well, no, then he netted it out, and it was maybe that number was wrong. So we had Lonto at fifty to win fifty five. Would actually be to win seventy five. Yeah, right. we did. Okay. And I was gross. I had the gross in there. I guess right. Yeah. Did, uh, yeah, we did not do the potential payout, is what they'll call it in the bookmaker. So right. just the the true net. Okay. I, w- I cool. wanted to avoid this, so I didn't put anything <laughs> on my. I didn't put twenty to win anything because I knew I'd be confused. Uh, yeah, I looked and, see, and saw what everybody else was was rolling with when I threw it in there. But um, yeah, so I, I went with the, it. I love the Morikawa one. Okay, Greg and I talked about this on Monday. I think Morikawa is arguably the most undervalued DFS guy this week. Um, because listen, and, and and Kyle, you're here. We didn't talk yesterday. Let's talk about this. No one has any recent form, right? Three and a half weeks, no professional competitive tournaments. We have no idea what these guys have been doing. If we start looking at long term form. Morikawa is the most undervalued guy, like uh, in the field, whether it's outright numbers, whether it's whether it's fantasy, because people are looking at more recently. But if you give him three and a half weeks to go out to Summit Club and grind some irons, I think he's going to be okay. I think we know what DJ has not been doing. I am certain DJ has not been grinding. So there's my card, Kyle. Let's go to your card, and I've got it up right here. For everybody else in the field, you're right. We don't know. Uh, Uh, Yeah, I got I got carried away. Yeah. yeah, you 
you place the most here. So I'm just going to read the first four. We'll talk through those. Xander Shoffley, top five at two to one, 15 on that. Victor Hovland, plus 220. And this is a, a three ball, I believe, with Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Cantlay. And then Hideki in a three ball with DJ and Rom. So let's talk about those first. Yeah, Hideki's got a great history here, right? I, I, I know you yep. saw that when you were doing your research. Uh, Hovland was hard for me because you're right. There's not, like, nobody's played recently. He did win most recently. But I also bet against him later on in the car. So I don't I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> you give Kyle $100 and he goes crazy on William Hill. The rest of the card <laughs> looks like Scotty Scheffler in a three ball versus Kevin Na and Mac Hughes. I like that a lot. That's plus 115. Joaquin Neiman over Daniel Berger. We've got a lot of Patrick Reed love this week. You've got him over John Rahm. And then you have Bryson over DJ. Let's talk about that one specifically. So you're getting plus money on Bryson DeChambeau. You laid 15 of your 100 doll hairs on big, beefy Bryson. Yeah, this is less about Bryson and more about like DJ missed the cut at Colonial after the restart, right? Because he had been on his boat and not playing golf. And I don't know, maybe he has been playing golf, but this is more a, a bet against DJ, even though he has played well here in the past. So maybe that's a bad argument, but um, I know Bryson's been grinding. We see him in the Chris Como's living room every other day. And did you, did you see what he did today? Did no you see? Okay. He was hitting putts about an hour and a half ago on the putting green and he had someone with an umbrella um, walking as his putt is rolling towards the cup with an umbrella down at ground level. And, and the commentary is that he was seeing how much the wind would impact his putts. It is a sight to behold. My friends, he speaking of psychos, there's, there's <laughs> exhibit one a, uh, so yeah, I, I don't, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm betting on that one. I'm betting more, I think, against DJ than I am for Bryson. Although I'm interested to see how Bryson plays here. Kyle rounds out his card with Tony Finau over Victor Hovland. We will certainly... Here it is. Here's the Bryson stuff. Watch this. He hits a putt. Guy walks with it. This is insane. You've got to be kidding me. Right? That is... I couldn't figure out what he was doing. I turned the sound on. They're guessing that he's doing it to see how the wind... Greg, like, what? what... This is uh, this is a yeah. lot. So the only thing I can imagine is they're putting into the wind and they want to they want to get into a vacuum more or less. So they're going to compare what happens in uh without the umbrella to what happens with that umbrella blocking some of the wind and they'll see what kind of speed difference it is. Cuz Bryson's a guy who paces off every putt. He knows how far I mean he's a hum, he's the human shot link, right? He knows exactly how far uh each putt is. And he uses that to calculate his speed control. Okay. Um, so I don't want to get down a Bryson. I don't want to get down a Bryson weather hole here, but then if he, if he's, if he's trying to, okay, walk it off, he's going to have to know what the mile per hour on the wind is when he gets up. Like, so is he carrying, like he can't carry some type of device. Is he just going to guess it's 10 I, miles? Yeah. I imagine he guesstimates maybe. Uh, uh, yeah. I, that would be my only guess. Cause at some, at some, eh, look, who knows? <laughs> I'm not, I'm uh, not on way, real, real quick, since, since we're on Bryson, did anybody did everybody see the soundbite? He, he already had the soundbite of the year when he was practicing in that PGA Tour sound where he says, uh, I love to fail. I don't learn anything from succeeding except that I can succeed, but I love to fail. And I would say, I, I call BS on that. Every time he fails, he yells at somebody. Uh, the camera guy, uh, caddy, 
fans. And I just think he, he just says stuff that comes to his head, not really thinking about what he actually says or does or what it's going to look like. Interesting. You know, I, I'll say one thing on that, Coach. I think he's an emotional guy. So I think when you see like what the meltdown that happened at the Open Championship a couple of years ago, <laughs> right? These these are things emotions that happen at the in the in the moment, but it's passion. But he always comes back from it, and he always seems to improve. So maybe he doesn't like it in the moment, but when he sits down and goes back to the lab and figures it out, I, my guess is that that's what he's what he's referring. You might to. be onto something. You might be. I, onto I, I always forget about that open meltdown. I mean, it's just, it's his, it's his Mona Lisa. It is, <laughs> it is the paintbrushes splayed all over the range. Him just up against the, up against the fence. Just he can't, <laughs> he can't handle the. Oh, it's so good. It's so funny. Uh, well, anyway, we're gonna keep track of those bets all year long. Uh, we'll keep a little bankroll and keep track of our results. But we are gonna go back and we'll run through these fairly quickly here. Our expert picks and our one and done lean. So we're gonna start with our sleepers, coach. Your first ever Tuesday pod sleeper for the Century Tournament of Champions is here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really honored. I'll make it fast because Billy Horschel, he, he, the only reason he's in this tournament, and for people who don't know, they say, why is there 42 guys? Because anybody that went to the Tour Championship uh, got a qualification for the first time ever, right? So Billy's in the tournament. I, he's been playing well. He made it to Tour Championship. I think he's a sleeper this week. I think he could, he could really do some things. The putter's always scary. When he gets that going, uh, watch out. He's 66-1. to one. Greg, your sleeper, someone we talked – a lot about on the Monday pod. I like this. He's 80 to one. Who is it? Yeah, Ryan Palmer. Um, and part of the reason I like Ryan Palmer is he's great in the weather. He's a, he's a really, really solid driver of the ball. He's a, he's a nice iron player, a well-rounded player who had, as we talked about yesterday, Rick, an extremely consistent season across the board. Uh, and sometimes when you see that, guys develop a little bit of confidence and and they find one thing when they're home on the putting green. And and Ryan Palmer, the way he hits it is is a great putting week away from a win. And I, I like that element for uh, for a guy at 80 to 1. By the way, uh, Greg already picked Abraham Answer to win next week. I don't know if that is actually on that. the record, but that, yeah, I agreed with it too. I was like, that's a great, as soon as those numbers come out, I'm like, click. Abraham Mark, and hopefully it doesn't have too much of an effect on the numbers. <gasps> you want him to finish like T13 this week. Don't do anything crazy. You don't win this thing. Keep that yeah. number nice and, yeah. nice and long. Um, KP, your sleeper is about as sleepy as you can get in a field like this. He's 150 to one. Yeah, Marty Laird, 150 to one. Uh, he finished second here back in, I think, 2012 when Steve Stricker won. And he's just, I mean, it's such a long shot, but you know, you've only got you've only got to beat 41 guys. It sounds so easy. Um, and you know, he's been playing well. He won uh late in the fall and or uh, October, I think is when he won. Yeah, Shriner. Um yeah, so it's not like he won back in January and he's been playing terrible. He he's he's played well recently so yeah i 151 i'm i'm put some units on it i snapped up cam smith for my pick four consecutive events in a row improving his finish including a runner up at the masters only one place to improve uh from second which is first this week top 10 let me see if anybody oh we've got four different picks this is very interesting coach your top 10 lock for the Century Tournament of Champions. I'm going off a recent recent play, and I know that first-timers here, there's seven of them. They've never won 
at this event. It's kind of like first-timers at the Masters, right? But I think Victor Hovland is a guy that says, I don't care where I'm playing. I'm going to go out and I'm going to play my game and I'm going to play well. We saw he won in the fall. Then he jumped halfway across the world. And we're all saying, well, we got to fade him this week. He's tired this week. And he went out and had another great finish. So there's no reason for me to believe that this is going to stop this week here. I think a top 10 is a very safe pick for Hovland. I'll tell you what, Victor Hovland had a lot of success on a lot of courses he saw for the first time already in his in his young career. Uh, Greg, ooh, this guy got called with a hot mic here last year. We were at the one-year anniversary yeah. of Patrick Cantlay's yeah. hot mic moment. He is your top 10 lock. Talk to me. So I, I think he has a, a nice finish last year. Um, I, it was it was fourth or seventh. I, I had a picture it in my mind. I'm not sure which. Anyway, top 10 was- last year, So it was, which, was, which was very good. And I think... Part of this, Rick, is I I saw the spreadsheet and I had my this in my mind, who I was going to pick, who my top 10, who my winner is, who my sleeper is. And I saw you and I had too many similarities. So I went with a very similar player to your top 10 as far as um, the fingerprint is concerned. So I went Patrick Cantlay, great ball striker, knows the course. I think he's going to be very comfortable with the uneven lies and, and have a great week this week. Well, the guy that you're referencing that I went with is Hideki Matsuyama. Three trips to Maui, no worse than a T4. I don't like to get into the narrative, but I really do think that uh, 2021 is such a big year for Hideki. He's going to try to peak for the Olympics. It's going to be it's going to be good stuff. So I'll take him at plus money to finish in the top 10. And Kyle, I actually did a double take. I thought this was Greg's pick to finish in the top 10. But who do you have as your luck? I've got Tony Fina. I wanted to pick him to win, but... As we've learned, that's usually not a good choice. Uh, <laughs> he did finish. He finished, although it would be apropos if he won in an event he wasn't supposed so, to be at. So ironic. Um, he finished T9 in 2017. And this this is the kind of course that he it just is made for him, right? Like, because not not only the the can he take, can he just hit it forever, but also his athleticism. And I think this is why he plays well at Augusta. I mean, one, because he's a great player, but two, because of his athleticism to handle the uneven lies, handle some of the, you know, the wind and the wonkiness. I, I'm just, I'm excited about watching him this week. I think he's going to, I think he's going to play really well. Uh, I let's, you know, now that Victor Hovland has snapped to the Puerto Rico open curse, like, let's just get this Tony Finau one out of the way, Greg, like, let's just, let's just do it right now and move on. It'd be hilarious if the win got, he, if he won this event and got into it again next year, because he, um, was in the top 30 and there was kind of the, the asterisk entry I think I, it would just be, it'd be hilarious. Yes. But it I'm would. For him. Hey, it'd be great. You'd be laughing all the way to the bank coach. Your pick to win, and I guess we should have seen this coming, a bit of foreshadowing from our storylines. Who do you have to win this week? Every time I tell anybody that listens to me or pays attention to me that if you're going to bet a winner in golf, you never play a less than plus 1,000 or plus 1,500. And even then, those are too low odds to, to bet a lot. But like we talked about earlier, I feel like Justin Thomas has something to prove. Now, I understand you could walk down the streets of New York, ask all 8 million people who live there, who was the last player to repeat at the Century Tournament of the Champions? And not one person would give you the, the right name. I get it, Jeff Ogilvie. But this is the year. After 11 years, we're going to have our very first repeat winner right here in January. Bucket, Justin Thomas. It's funny you mention the short odds. I have not looked this up in a while, but I did this a couple of months ago. Basically, 50% of all PGA Tour events are won by guys who are 12 to 1 or shorter. 
like the the big boys win golf tournaments. <laughs> now there's a, there's a, there's sometimes three or four of them in a field, and you don't know which one exactly. But like, it, it, I'll I'll have to run those numbers again. It's like okay, fifty percent. So good call there, coach. Uh, Greg, I'm gonna put a pin in yours because you and I have the same pick to win. I'm gonna go to Kyle, who this guy was a one and done consideration for me, but I've already used him. Who is it? Uh, Patty Reed. Yeah, baby. He's won here before. Kind of quietly ended the fall playing really well. He finished, I think, third in Dubai after playing pretty well at the Masters as well. His tee to green, you know, it's interesting because I was even looking at last year. He didn't hit the ball very well. He putted out of his, I mean, his putting was unreal last year. So that concerns me a little bit, but um, yeah, I just, you know, you said it earlier, but he's, he's not going to, uh, he's not going to Kapalua to drink Mai Tais with, with uh, Patrick Cantlay, right? He's, he's going to win the golf tournament. So that's, you know, I think you get a little, uh, a built-in advantage there with him that maybe you don't with everybody else. Uh, he was the guy, and he made my betting card. I just thought it was a really good value, right? I mean, when you look at it, he's 16 to 1, his actual winning upside. That's why he made my card, but he's not my pick to win for our purposes. And Greg, you and I have the same winner. I would like for you to tell everyone who it is. Uh, it's Bryson DeChambeau, the yeah. mad scientist himself, just like Patrick Reed. Um, uh, he is not there for vacation. You can see with the umbrella. I mean, this is a, an experiment, right? This is they're, they're out there trying to, he's trying to figure out hone his craft even more continuing to improve. And I love the, this is a place where he's going to be able to really air it out. He's going to be able to hit it as, uh, as far as he wants. And he's going to hit some, some very, very long drives. I promise you that this week, but the, the reason I really like Bryson this week, in addition to the distance is what he does on the greens last year in 2020 he was 10th strokes gained putting but his three-putt avoidance was extremely low uh he was 38th in three-putt avoidance just over two percent of the time did he three-putt and rick we talked about this yesterday there's a lot of three putts around here yeah and bryson has this what you wouldn't think of this golf course as a course where a scientist can succeed because it's a crenshaw and and it's a very artistic kind of a course you would think it's opposite but Bryson has a very interesting way of converting the numbers and the science and the data into uh, into performance. He's able to use it to perform and just play, which I I really um, I, I think is a unique skill set. And so I, I think I think uh, the the numbers really strong for him at 11 to one. And I'm kind of wondering why I didn't um, have him on my bet card. <laughs> most most people go to Hawaii and put umbrellas in their drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Bryson has an umbrella guy on the green. So there you go. Who is the umbrella? How do you get an umbrella guy? I gotta he's look at that. He's got a spritzer. I mean, the, the, the list of people on his on his payroll is extensive. Right, because the spritzer guy can't be the same as the umbrella. Those have to be two different guys. They're two different specialties. For sure. I, I would love to know, sense. just like Russell Wilson revealed over a million dollars he spends on his body every year. I would love to know how much Bryson spends on everything like this. Yeah, I'm I'm not holding an umbrella. For anybody, unless they're paying me, yeah, you know what I mean. That guy's getting paid. Yeah, we the, when when like the uh, when like the the thirty for thirty comes out about Bryson or whatever. Like when we get like the documentary on this guy, it's going to be absolutely great. Uh, well said, Greg. I I just kind of uh, you know I, I woke up Monday morning and I opened up William Hill and saw that uh, four guys had shorter odds than Bryson, and I scratched my head and went that 
that can't be right. I mean, this guy's the defending U.S. Open champion. He won twice after the restart. He hits it far. doesn't have to regard anything about accuracy this week. He's a great putter. I just... I just clicked it then and I'm still happy with it come Tuesday afternoon. So um, that's where I'm at as well. Greg, one and done. Now, uh, to get everybody up to speed on this, Mark is currently in the lead 3.4 million. Greg, 3.3. Kyle and I have 2.1. Greg, or uh, excuse me, Jacob has 2 million. And I think we've spotted coach a million. Is that how we're starting here? We're going to get you in. We're going to spot you a million. You got some ground to make up. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to you. Okay. It's okay. Because I also have guys that you can't use anymore. That and is I true. got them all. I got them all. So I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. That is actually a really good point because uh, there's a <laughs> lot of guys I wish I still had. So, Coach, we'll start here with you. You are not obligated to stick. You know, when we text in our picks, uh, you can change it. But have you narrowed it down to a, a golfer or two who you might take this week? Yeah, I mean, I'm all about somebody who stacks cash at a specific course. And the guy who stacks the most cash at this course, at least the last three or four years, in my opinion, is Xander Shoffley. Because I'm not going to pick JT. I'm going to wait for JT. He's got other courses that he plays well. The one course that we know, without a shadow of a doubt, because let's remember, Xander didn't even win last year. He didn't have one win last year. So I want to take a place where he's going to make the most money for me. That course is this week. I actually think, so that's a great point. And Greg, I don't know if we talked about this or not. We'll get your one and done pick here. Um, This might be the most money for first per number of players in the field i mean maybe the tour championship but i don't even know if we do the tour yet you know what i mean like 42 players yeah. i think 1.3 million it's like you, you got to go get somebody who's going to win this thing it's it's a good value right there yeah it really is a, a top heavy which is kind of cool right uh, they're all champions they've all won in theory in a normal year they've all <laughs> won and so you're the champion of the champions it's it, so it's cool so i like that they uh, that that the winner has uh, a really nice payday like that um and xander i think is a great pick unfortunately well, maybe, unfortunately, I used him at the U.S. Open, um, and and so he did pretty well there. So I can't use him this week. Um, right. But the guy for me is Patrick Reed, another guy who stacks the cash here. Um, it may be the best course on on tour for him, um, and he's a big game hunter. And I, I think he's coming in really motivated this year. And I think you're going to see an inspired Patrick Reed um, kind of show us something, kind of show us something. I think he's going to pay off this week. You use Xander at the U.S. Open. You got 484,000, Greg. I liked Patrick Reed. I used him at the Zozo and got 142,000, so I can't use him here. I'm going with Deki. I'll take a Deki Matsuyama, the course history. Again, I think it's a big-time year, and I think this is a really interesting way to be a little bit different because Hideki has a natural fit for one-and-dones, which is waste management, and I think a lot of people are going to use him there. I'm going to be just a little bit different and go to a place he's had a ton of success success and I'm going to take him right here. Kyle, put a bow on this for us and tell me who your one and done pick is for the Century Tournament of Champions. I think I, I might be breaking some news here. Um I'm going to have to self-report. I picked uh I picked John Rom twice in the fall. Oh! <gasps> You did. Wow, you used I him at the U.S. Open. Oh, I used him at the two big boys. U.S. Open and the Masters. <laughs> wow. What? How did we let... No, what? I mean, like, this spreadsheet's new. Jacob I, just started sharing the spreadsheet with us, so now we can oh, yeah. each other. I feel like Lane Kiffin right now. <laughs> yeah, the self-report is strong. Uh, did I, I vaguely remember... This may or may not be true. I vaguely remember 
producer Jacob making up a rule where because the season was so long, we got to pick one guy twice. Is that? I don't think that was ever set in stone. No. If we discussed that, Kyle, it was definitely after the Masters. That, that was. <laughs> otherwise, that was just an egregious mistake. Producer Jacob, can you pop in over here? Tell us what's happening, producer Jacob. Yeah, that uh, that was discussed, but uh, it is it was it did not play, pass the uh, player advisory okay. council. It was vetoed. Okay. <laughs> the, the pack had the pack did not approve that. <laughs> Okay, I'll sit out the tournament of champions. Okay, so what we've done in the past, and and two, uh, yeah, we we used to just text these picks in without knowing who we already picked and like trying to remember who we had. So uh, what we had Mark do when he did this is he sat out a week. So we're gonna penalize Kyle. We're gonna put him in the penalty box. If you if you were gonna pick this week, Kyle, who would it be? I would have picked Tony Fino because okay. I'm gonna pick. Otherwise, I would. I would have picked Patrick Reed, but I'm probably going to pick him for the Open because I think he's going to win the Open this year. So I'm going Tony Fino. So I, I got a rules question here. This is a serious <laughs> question, and it's for the it's for the pack for the Player Advisory Council. Do if you have to if you take a penalty and have to sit out a week, I think you should have to put a name in. Doesn't have to be your best name. I mean, you could put uh, you could put any player oh. out you want. But yeah, I think Martin you got to put a name in there. Yeah, put Martin. Martin, Martin, Martin. Martin. Yeah, you take a zero for him, but you got to put. You got to use the name. Okay, Kyle. So you can pick Richie Warinsky if you want. You can burn a golfer here. I wouldn't oh. burn him. <laughs> Greg's the <laughs> Greg is Greg is the Richie Warinsky whisperer. By the way, in case you're wondering, uh, I'll go. I'll go Stu Sink. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is like I feel like it's more insulting knowing you're gonna get zero for it. You're picking someone that you really think is gonna go bad. I hope Sink wins. That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, all right, Kyle's gonna burn Stewart Sink at zero dollars for him. He's playing as an AM this week. Oh, so good, gentlemen. That has been the Century Tournament of Champions Mega Preview Pod. Live on YouTube, you can subscribe to iTunes and Stitcher, wherever else you get your podcasts. Let me thank Kyle Porter, who you can find on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. Let me thank Greg Ducharme, who you can find on Twitter at The Real GFD. Let me thank Jonathan Coachman, the coach, who you can find on Twitter the, at The Coach Rules. Producer Jacob is behind the glass. Great job, Producer Jacob, with the the Bryson DeChambeau video. That was very, very good this week. Um, you can find me. At Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.